everybody. This is Kendra, the Vet Tech, here today to talk about veterinary technician as a second career path. And here with me today is my friend, Michelle. She is an LVT, and she is going to talk with us today about her journey into veterinary technology as a second career change. So welcome, Michelle. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thanks, Kendra. Yeah. So currently I work for IDEX. I'm sure most of your listeners know who IDEX is. They're the largest veterinary laboratory and diagnostic laboratory. We spend the most on research and development on testing and we make analyzers. We do all kinds of stuff, supplies. And currently my role at IDEX is that I'm in their customer service and technical support and I'm moving in currently into diagnostic consulting. That's my uh, goal and that's where I'm moving currently. So we have lots of different doctors and technicians that work at IDEX. Everybody from the people that you call to talk about to troubleshoot your analyzers that actually get in and try to help you fix your analyzers and so forth. A lot of those people are, uh, are technicians. And the diagnostic group has a lot of technicians. They're the first ones that any doctor or technician talks to when they call about a testing question or a diagnostic question. And then we have a whole team of diagnostic veterinarians from oncologists to dermatologists to internists to large animals, small animal. We do poultry, we do herd animals, we do everything. So it's been a really fun transition for me in recent years. So um, that's where I am now. But as you know, you and I used to work together when I was first out of school and, and you too, but you, you had a little bit more of a, a background than I did. Uh, you were a great mentor to me in a lot of ways. You were very clinically strong and I was a little nervous about that whole thing and you helped me get my, uh, my mojo going. As far as that goes. I appreciate that. Oh, no, it was awesome. I mean, you were awesome and very meaningful in in my my development as a veterinary technician. So I'm 62, so I'm older. And I was married for 22 years to a guy who was in the military. And we moved all over the world. And I always had a special interest in animals. Obviously, most of us you know, grew up that way or whatever. And then when I moved back to Washington State, I got heavily involved as a volunteer at a shelter. And quickly and always my special interest was canine behavior. And I had done a lot of, uh, you know, research on my own and then started to um, get certified in certain things. And then they eventually hired me as the behavior assistant in the behavior department. And what I quickly learned is that I really needed to know about the whole animal. And it wasn't the behavior stuff's pretty awesome scientifically and so forth, but what I really needed to do was get to understand the whole animal, not just dogs, but cats too, because I was doing behavior with cats as well. And I just decided I really needed, you know, and at my age, it wasn't practical. And I really didn't want to become a vet. I really wanted to become a nurse. So I decided I would go to school for that. And that's what kind of drove me. And when I went through my divorce, it kind of perpetuated. It was like, okay, now's the time. Yeah, make that Um, big life change. Big life change. And so I made the decision and it was completely based on my love of the human-animal bond. And I stress human-animal bond because a lot of people that I've met, a lot of my friends even that went into this profession, love animals, but they kind of forget that the humans are on the other end of it and we're dealing with domestic animals, right? right? So for me, being a canine behavior person, I understood that connection very well and what it means to animals and them being healthy 
and so forth. So I went to school and in Seattle, I went to Pima Medical Institute. And And I'd really like to know how finding a program worked for you, Michelle, as (laughs) you you mentioned, you were later in life, or you're 62 now, but later in life, Mm -hmm. when you decided to make this change. So how did this look for you in selecting a program? Because I know a lot of programs like (laughs) community colleges, for example, rely heavily on gen eds. And sometimes they have to be within the last five to seven years that you've taken these classes. So tell me about that. Tell me about that journey and and finally settling on Pima. You know, in retrospect, and this is nothing, you know, Pima really has turned out some really top-notch veterinary technicians. I, I have to say, and some of my classmates are some of the best that I know. So this, but for me, it was really more practical for the amount of time that I could get through the program. We went through, you had to go through a veterinary assistant program. Then you had to get accepted into the veterinary technician program. You know, you had to have recommendations. You had to meet with the director. And then if you got accepted in, and it was really kind of, you know, I could get it done in a couple years, in like two and a half years, whereas other programs were quite different. There's a really good program down in Tacoma. I know you know, they're pretty good. Right. Where I, I've met a lot of veterinary technicians that come out of there that are really great. And, um, and it's a community college program. And it's a community college. And it probably would have been a lot less money for me. But for me, it was, I was in a time crunch, to be honest. I needed to, because I had been a stay-at-home mom for like 20 years and moved all over the world. And I needed to really get out there working. And I just, for me, it was more of a practical decision. I did get accepted into the program. I did really well in the program. If I were younger or I had more time or more resources, I think I probably would have picked a community college, but it, not everyone can do that. And I know a lot of the people that I, you know, went to school with were working. They found the Pima schedule where they could do it and get through it. And they also were, it was appealing to them, the one class after the other, go right through the summer, do the whole thing. You could just crank through it. Right. So and that's they, what I did. You can, pick, you can pick times of day. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Like you, you could do have morning classes, afternoon or evening classes. Right. They, they they did. They did. And um, so they had morning and I did morning and I would, you know, I, I lived over the water. So it was an hour and a half commute one way for me. And I would go in, do my classes, get on the ferry, study on the ferry, go home, study, 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 then make my kids dinner, take them to their sports, do whatever I had to do. So for me, it worked. The schedule worked. And that was really what was the deciding factor. But yeah. I think that like your school, the way you and I have talked about your program versus my program, I think that yours actually had a much stronger like surgical practicum sort of the way they cycled it in and did a little differently. Mine was just challenging. And um you know, and I think that's why I was a little, I was a little head shy coming out. You know, and guys, this circles back perfectly actually to a previous episode discussing how to become a veterinary technician and discussing your different school options. So Mm -hmm. like Joan put for us in that episode, making sure that you are familiar with the program before you're getting into it. So understanding how their program works, Michelle spelled out how her program worked in a, in a private institution. And I spelled out with Joan and Natalie, how their program in a community college works out for them. So just definitely make sure when we're looking into that programs, into different programs, we're checking out not just the cost and the convenience, but ask all these important questions Mm -hmm. about clinicals, how much hands-on time, 
and don't ask just the instructors try to find some students get yes. their their real life opinions so like we have michelle here she's giving us really honest feedback about her experience mm -hmm. and other students may say different things it's it's all a matter of perspective but it just is. make sure you're educating yourself and understanding what exactly you're getting into with these programs Yes, and I, I think that's really, really good advice for a newcomer. I think that that is really, really important. I was very fortunate after I got out of school to have people like you. I worked for a veterinarian in Washington that was really open to me doing my behavior stuff. And he worked as a partner with me in that. And I just grew you know, like immensely in that department kind of really was fortunate that way. I've, I've worked with some really good technicians and, you know, and I just, I, I think that's really good advice. Know the program, know the program, know the program yeah. and what you want to get out of it and how they're going to shepherd you along. That's really important. And how do you feel, Michelle, how do you feel like your age mm -hmm. contributed to your education? Do you feel like you were maybe looked at as more of a leader within your class structure or had higher expectations from the instructors? How, how did that look, that dynamic? Actually, I, you know, I was um, the oldest person in my program. I was older than all my instructors too, which oh is really God. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to admit that. No, I was. And it was awesome. No, it was great. Um, and I, one of my instructors was pretty close uh, to, and we're, you know, we're, I'm friends with a lot of my instructors still, because I had some really strong, great instructors. And I think that they liked having me there because I was in it to be very serious about it. I was really, really excited about learning, you know, because I hadn't been in that environment in a really long time. So I was really excited and enthusiastic. And I think sometimes with age that that brings that, you know, yeah, we're maybe ready. They, maybe they knew you would be serious because you'd already had so much life experience. Exactly, you. exactly. And and then and then, uh, you know, then I got into it and I really, you know, showed them that I was so, you know, I, I did pretty well in school. I really love being in school with people that were younger than I am. I, I found it invigorating. And I think they liked having me, you know, some of them called me Mama Michelle, you know, because um, we would have study groups and I would, you know, they'd be having like little mental breaks and I'd be like mothering them along. But uh, no, it was it was fantastic. And I and I think I would recommend to everybody as you get older in this field to always challenge yourself to always seek I do constantly do continuing education, not just for my license to maintain my license, but I do it all the time I'm learning. And that really lit that fire for me. So I, I would encourage everyone to keep current because this is an ever changing field for nurses for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell me about being out of school as as a an older person that's mm -hmm. starting out in a field at the beginner level, how mm -hmm. do you think that has affected kind of your mentorship and expectations within your career coming out of school? You know, it's interesting because where I am now, you know, I, I can look back like people like you who were always treated me as just your your comrade in arms we were just in there together and you were respectful 
and you would say, okay, you know, you're feeling nervous about this, put your big girl panties on and let's go. You know, you were really, <laughs> really inspiring that way. And I had uh, uh, quite a few experiences like that. But then as I gained experience and I got better and better and better at what I'm doing, when I noticed, and I, you know, this is something that I feel really passionately about. And I talk to young people, younger people about is in our profession, we really need to be kind to each other and mentor each other yes. because there is so much stress and there's so, and I see it now at IDEX because all day long I'm talking to vet techs and veterinarians, particularly now with COVID-19 all over the country in all of our states. And I just would say we need to really shore each other up and be kind and mentor each other and learn from each other and share our knowledge. I, there's plenty of times in my career, in my, you know, I haven't been doing it for 20 years. I've been doing it for seven or whatever it is. And I would say that there are plenty of times where people weren't so nice and were competitive or unkind. And like any profession, you're going to get that. But being older, I think I was quicker to identify it, you know, kind of isolate it and kind of move it away, uh, you know, kind of deal with it. I'm much more direct. I'll say, hey, what are you doing here? That's not very kind or whatever. Um, Or, hey, this is a teachable moment. How about that? You know, let's let's turn this into a teachable moment. So that's been my soapbox since I've become an older veterinary technician, even at IDEX. Like, listen, we are progressive company. Let's, you know, and they're really pro that. They're pro team. They're pro Um, working together. They're scientists, a lot of them. So, you know, they're all about facts and moving it forward. So I really fit in there in a lot of ways. But in in clinical, you know, setting, I think it's something that we all need to work on as a profession. Don't you? Oh, I I wholly agree that the negativity and toxicity in clinics, it's, it's astounding. It really is. You know, our jobs are really stressful and really emotionally stressful and and challenging and we get so much external input from Mm -hmm. clients and their emotions and thoughts because typically there's a lot of emotions around their appointments and what we're doing with their their pets and Mm -hmm. and so we just need to make sure that we're kind with each other as professionals Mm -hmm. to to bring each other up and support each other and you know listening to to your statements in this I really feel like that is maybe an asset coming into this as a second career, you know, you've already got all of this life experience behind you and understanding of just these concepts of interpersonal relationships and communication. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I would totally chalk that up as, as a really big thing you bring to the table. You know, even when you're just coming out of school as a second career technician that you've already got kind of one really big thing in your corner. So yeah, and our jobs are so full of situational, what I you know like to call situational agility. We have to be able to, you know, read a human. Uh, we need to be able to be compassionate to them, but then we have to launch into doing that with the animal as well, which, as we all know, has its challenges too. And we also all work together. So it's just this, you know, it's teeming. I like to look at it as it's teeming with opportunity. And that sounds like I'm a cheerleader, but I really (laughs) believe that. I really do believe that. And I say that to the young people I work with at IDEX. I'm like, look, perspective is reality. And as long as you're looking at everybody 
reaction is their reality. It's not necessarily about you. So the way to move it forward or to progress the situation is to understand that that everybody's perspective is their reality and it may not be your perspective. So you have to kind of show that situational agility and really move uh, things forward with not only customers, but coworkers, veterinarians, whatever. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think that is very sound advice for for anybody, not just beginners, but even veterans in the field as well. Yes. You know, we just need to show a little more emotional intelligence and... Right. And, um, That's a good term. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Kind of move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what advice then do you have for people who are maybe thinking of a career change to veterinary technology as a, as a second career? The first thing I would say is you really have to understand that it's about humans and animals. It's not, you know, there are certain, there's different personalities in whatever you do, but I do think that you really have to know, really like people. You have to really like people. And And you really- Dogs and cats don't have wallets yet, so. No, they don't have wallets. They don't have hands. They don't, (laughs) can't tell you. (laughs) And so you really need to, right, have that ability and that desire really to interface with people. And sometimes people that are under a lot of duress, if a pet is sick or whatever. And I personally love that part of being a vet tech. I've, I'm, a, I'm a people person. I find it challenging when people are don't understand something and I have the opportunity to kind of turn it around and help them understand something. So yeah. I think a big part of our job as veterinary technicians is educating humans. And I love that part of my job. Love that part of my job. That's why, and now, and no, now I'm at IDEX and, you know, I'm, I'm doing that with veterinarians and veterinary technicians. It's awesome. I love that. And I loved it when I was in practice with owners um, Mm -hmm. and I love animals too. So I would say as a second career that make sure that you, you love the human animal bond, whether it be large animal, small animal, even if it's like herd animal stuff, you still have to understand that there's a farmer or there's, you know, a, a racetrack or there, you have to deal yeah, with the people. There's always a person. You, you, yeah, there's always it a person. Matter the, the situation, there's always a person attached to the animal. Yes. And then also understand that you have to be the advocate for your profession. And you have to talk to your vets and your coworkers about what it means our integrity, what kind of, what did I say, surgical conscience, like that part of it. And you, and you have to have some sort of moral guidance. You can't, you can't just get in there and be a bull in a china shop. You have to be very careful about what you do and how you deal with, you know, medications, all of that. So make sure that that's what you want, because it's a big responsibility. And I remember saying that to you when we were doing surgery together, I was like, oh, this, this is such an awesome responsibility and you said, yeah, it is. It really, really is. And that's why we have to take it very seriously. And we have to be very, very particular about the way we do things. So that's where our training comes into play as veterinary technicians. And the other thing is the money. It doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. So you better really know what you're getting into when you do it. And um, I can't say I completely understood that when I did it, but I knew it wasn't like a big killer job. And I had been a paralegal for 20 years and I did make really good money doing that. So I knew I was, I was not in it for the money, but it doesn't mean that we can't work on improving that as yeah. a, as a, as a, as a whole. So I would like to see our profession move in that direction too. And I think we can help each other do that by, you know, getting licensed, going to school, 
having standards, making sure that we let people know these are our standards and this is what we're worth. And I think that will change eventually, don't you? Oh, yes, I totally agree. It's just a matter of everybody being an advocate who who is already in our career field as a credentialed veterinary technician and being an advocate within your practice, within your area right. for credential technicians and making sure that people are addressing each other appropriately and using that term appropriately, Yes, um, applying it to, to situations that it really applies. Yeah, and I, I, I will say you and I talked a little bit about this before we got on, on air here, is that different states have different uh, requirements for licensed professionals. And I'm really proud to say that I did the education, I took the national exam, I do my education, I'm licensed, I maintain my license. And I really, you know, when I went to New Hampshire after moving from Washington, Washington has a pretty high standard. Yeah. And then I went out to New Hampshire and I was telling you they're self-regulated, meaning any credential you get there is through their veterinary technician association. And they'll say, you know, and they keep track of your education or whatever, but it has nothing to do with being licensed. Mm-hmm. It has to do with them saying, yes, you meet our criteria. So every state is different. And I feel I would love for it to get like you and I were talking about everything, uh, every state accepting the same thing and it yeah. getting um, standardized. Someday. Well, that wraps us up for today. Usually, Great. Michelle, I, I like to leave tech tips for people at the end of episodes, just little kind of life hacks or tips or tricks you've learned <laughs> on the job. Do you have anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today for a tech tip? Well, anything behavior. If if you, <laughs> so if you, I mean, if, if there's a recommendation, there's a trainer that Deb Jacobs, who wrote a book called Living with Fearful Dogs. And, you know, it's a great read for any technician to see the world through their eyes. And we yeah. deal with them when they're really fearful. So I recommend yeah. that she has a good website too. So that just a little, little hint of something maybe to look into. Her name is Deb Jacobs. Yeah, Deb Jacobs. Okay, that sounds awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining in with us today, guys. As always, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Kendra the Vet Tech. If you have any questions or possible suggestions for podcast topics, I can be found there or email Kendra the Vet Tech at gmail.com. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your perspective on veterinary technician as a second career. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, guys.